Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast, and thank you, as always, for being here. And to make sure that you don't miss a future episode, I'm going to give you a second to go ahead and click subscribe so that we do not miss a future episode and we can continue building the podcast. So with that being said, we've got a lot of different uh, news going on out there. You know, the the quarter's winding down. We were talking about, uh, you know, people trying to really uh, boost their sales by the end of the quarter. Uh, Tesla doing some things saying that the uh, $7,500 tax credit was going to be out. I said last time it was on the Model Y. That was actually on the Model 3. So I still believe those uh, rebates are going to be around for the Model Y for a little while longer. But uh, yeah, we've got some other companies that are really trying to uh, really make a stand these last couple days of Q1. So, um, you know, first up, I guess we need to... uh, uh, check in on the market. And I have been swamped with work. So forgive me. Uh, I have not been really paying attention super close. And uh, I guess life's pulling me in about 400 directions. And uh, I, I do a quick check in and uh, oh yeah, S&P, nice. We are back up uh, above 4,000. And uh, you know this is on Wednesday. We're up about a percent. NASDAQ about uh, up 161, about 1.4%. Dow is up about 214 points. So definitely making a strong push here. We are also going to check in on crypto. I know that we had some Binance lawsuits coming in, which was uh, scaring people out of Binance because they had apparently some some ties that were trying to cover up to China. And uh, for, for whatever reason that was, I'm not sure. But uh, that I think it had crypto down a little bit yesterday. But uh, now looking at it today, uh, Bitcoin is at 28,484 as I am recording this. Ethereum at 1,822. Uh, so Bitcoin, let's just see what it did on the five day. Um, I, I'll look at the week. We are down 1.8% on the week and uh, we are up 5% on the day. So overnight, we did have a uh, a downward path. We were down in the 26,000 range. So we definitely came up uh, a good bit here in uh, in about uh, the past 24 hours. So um, yeah, I, I think we've got uh, some, some bullish cases out there for what's going on in crypto. Uh, weaker currencies around the world, not just in the US, but uh, abroad as well. Uh, I saw some different things tied to uh, Africa saying that, uh, you know, the uh, build out of Bitcoin and that level two uh, transactional uh, model is a lot faster, a lot cheaper, and uh, really going to be uh, a better way to transact for them. And especially when you have a currency that is just getting devalued uh, day by day, uh, it's hard when inflation is high here, but uh, some of the developing countries around the world really need a way to um, you know, not have their currency just be completely wiped out and be meaningless to them. So uh, I think that the the cryptocurrencies could certainly help those developing nations to kind of bolster their uh, their finances, their economics, and uh, you know there's there's a lot that's uh, there's many layers to that. I know that problems in Binance 
and having ties and having you know the funding around the world all plays into the crypto markets as well. But um, I think a diversified approach for them is not a bad plan, similar to what I'm saying uh, for myself. But uh, for them, I can certainly see more reasons to adopt a different currency faster uh, than simply you know just dabbling here and there. But um, yeah, so we've definitely seen uh, some resurgence in the market for some different financial reasons. We've seen some of these uh, these bank fears kind of ease. Uh, Citizens, uh, FRC, I think it was FRC, went ahead and bought out Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, I will try to get that uh, that news right now. Uh, we also saw some stuff from uh, Alibaba saying that they were going to break apart the business into six different units. And uh, we would definitely saw Alibaba kind of rally on that news. Uh, and they were going to origin- individually raise funds and explore IPOs into these six different units. So uh, I believe Alibaba was up about, uh, I want to say 12, 13% yesterday. And that was definitely nice to see as this one has been more or less dead money for me, man, for quite a while now, uh, probably two years, I'm going to shoot to say Alibaba and Baidu have been uh, trading down pretty, pretty rough. Um, yeah, let's take a look at the five day here. We were at $86 um, on the 27th at 3.30. And now we are sitting at $100.27. So a pretty large move on a, uh, well, how big is this company? $260 billion company in the name of Alibaba. So uh, we actually saw Jack Ma come back into the picture after being out of China for about a year, I believe that is. And uh, I'm trying to find this news story that I was uh, saying about... Um, Silicon Valley Bank. I know that, uh, yeah, First Citizen says they will keep Silicon Valley Bank employees and that they have agreed to acquire Silicon Valley Bank. So that is definitely uh, easing some of those fears uh, in the way of the banking sector. Uh, Let's pop over and take a look at the XLF and see what that is doing today. Uh, That is the Sector Spider ETF uh, that is for financials. And we are sitting at 31.75. We did get down to a low of about uh, about 30, 30, 50, it looks like on that five day chart. And uh, where are we on the month? Did we get lower than that? Um, no, so we, we've pretty much bottomed out on that, it looks like, and a small move to the upside, only about a percent today. But uh, it is nice to see that uh, some of these regional banks look like they are going to be okay. Um, there's still a lot of fear and contagion out there. I'm not saying that it's a green light to go ahead and buy all these bank stocks back. I've already told you guys that I was buying some Bank of America. Uh, Probably look to buy maybe some more JP Morgan or Citibank, uh, maybe some Goldman. Uh, Just it depends on how much cash I've got and really what kind of options or uh, opportunities I've got out there on these different names. So again, when I was looking originally, well, why Bank of America? Um, well, a lot of the money that was coming out of these, uh, you know, bankrupt banks was uh, going into some of these top five tier one banks, if you will. So uh, Bank of America has a low P.E. They're at 8.8. They've got about a 3.1 percent dividend and the beta is a one. So less volatile. Uh, the, the bond exposure that they do have is uh, one of the largest, but that's um, also goes hand in hand with being one of the largest banks. So. I'm not too concerned about that. 
They've got about 35% of upside from 15 different analysts. And over the past week, we've got uh, three buy ratings. RBC is a buy at 34, Oppenheimer at a buy at 44, and Wells Fargo just simply says it's a buy. Uh, Odeon Capital back on the 8th said uh, it's a hold, but uh, with the price target was 35.20. And KBW said back in February that it was a sell at 33. Uh, so, from this point at 28.58, I still think that we've got a good amount of upside. I think a lot of that fear is pretty well baked in at this point. And I think it's a good time for me to start building. If it uh, um, is good enough for Warren Buffett and his portfolio, uh, I think it is going to be all just fine in mine. So I'm going to keep an eye on it. I know that's not simply a reason to buy. There is a lot of other thought that goes into that. Uh, there's a lot of fear out there. And there's there's reasons uh, where I thought that Bank of America was going to be a decent pickup. Uh, the upside is a little bit higher than Goldman Sachs. Their upside is about 27%. Um, now on their PE is also a little bit higher at 10.5. I believe Bank of America, I said was 8.6, 8.7, something like that. Dividends about the same on Goldman. Uh, let's take a look at JP Morgan. I think their dividend is a little bit lower. Uh, 3.1. So, um, but the PE is also a 10.6. So I already had a position in JP Morgan. I've already got a position in Citibank. Um, so I thought maybe, you know, going into, uh, Bank of America for the fact of the amount of deposits they had coming in, I think on that four day period where, uh, all these banks were going bankrupt, they had about $15 billion come in. I'm pretty certain that number has got to be much higher at this point. Uh, and, just a lot of the uncertainty out there really had me thinking that, you know, this could be a good time to look at the financials when everyone else was running for the hills. I know that there's a lot of fear out there. I know that there's a lot of problems, but sometimes that's when we can get some some great values. So I went ahead and purchased. I'm not saying it's for everyone, uh, but it is a good reason to keep that shopping list and have some cash on hand in order to be able to pick up some discounted names. Uh, regardless of the reason why they're discounted, as long as you think that the long-term projections look solid, uh, you know some of these short-term fears can definitely get overblown. You know, you look at uh, Facebook uh, saying they're going to go into the metaverse. You look at uh, Twitter or Elon saying he's buying Twitter, and you look at uh, Nvidia when when crypto kind of slowed down and no one wanted these chips. Uh, I could have said at any given time that all three companies were going to rebound. Uh, in a lot of cases, we did go ahead and purchase those, but you really just want to look, uh, is this a short-term pain? Is this going to be lasting or uh, is long-term that three to five years really where I want to be? And is it a stock that I want to hold for three to five years? Some of them, you know, it might be better. It, uh, the risk versus reward is really up to uh, a lot of your own mindset. And a lot of people say, hey, what's a, a top stock to buy right now? You get that all the time, or I do. Uh, so I think it really matters as to what your plans are for that stock, right? So if you want to swing trade it, you know, you could certainly do that with some of these volatile names. Are they going to be around in 10 years? I'm not sure. You know, some of the more, the smaller EV players, uh, you know, Lucid, Neo, uh, you can certainly make an argument that they will be around. But uh, you can also say, uh, you know, I would stay away from those or I would swing trade those, but I don't want to have a position uh, a core position that's along in these names because I simply don't know what the future is going to hold. 
So it really depends on what you are going to be doing with this individual stock. If it is a, you know, a long-term vision, if it's something that uh, you think is going to be around in 10, 15, 20 years, or if it's simply just a, a way to make a quick dollar and be out of this position in a week, in a month, in a year. Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that you can do in the stock market, a lot of different ways to make money and uh, quite a few ways to lose money. Um, so I was saying that uh, I did see, and, and I don't even remember the ticker. I'm not going to even look because I don't want to steer anyone to it. But uh, it was a biotech pharmaceutical company that passed a stage one trial. And this stock went up about 70% in a day. And it reminds me of one of my terrible plays in the stock market was uh, a company, Versartis, V-S-A-R. And now when I look at them, there's nothing even there. Uh, so Versartis had some uh, stage one, stage two trials of some uh, uh, medicines or uh, therapeutics that are going to go to market. There was a lot of promise. Ultimately, they got bought out. Uh, by another company that uh, since then reverse split about uh, three, four times and uh, wiped these shares completely down to nothing. And I thought, you know, this was uh, it was completely a speculative play. Uh, one of the ones that uh, if it went, it was going to go, you know, gangbusters, 10x, 20x and, you know, make a killing. But uh, I went into it kind of blind, kind of going off someone else's um thought process as to what it was. I didn't do so much research on it. And ultimately, I got burnt on this one. So when I saw that uh, biopharmaceutical company yesterday that, uh, you know, that had this major run in the day all from one trial, um, I think if you are not well versed in that uh, company, in the product, in the, the financials of this company, you might want to stay away. They are very volatile. They're very hard to play. Um, you know, they are sometimes not even penny stocks. This one yesterday, I think was went from eight to $15. And uh, it's certainly just one of those things that can definitely uh, take your money just as fast as it made it. So again, if you've got a stock that uh, is really on your radar, I like to really have some high conviction names, ones that you can really do enough research on. And I'm not saying just, hey, uh, you know, quick look through and see, you know, the PE looks good. Uh, but you really understand the product. You really understand what they're selling, the the vision, uh, the way that they're going to make money in the future. You know, I mean, if things change, you know, you look at some of these automo automated, automotive companies and you see, you know, they had a lock on, you know, gas and diesel. Are they going to be able to transition into EVs, hybrids, different things going forward. Now, I'm not saying that all of them have to be EV or hybrid, but uh, it's kind of looking like they have to have something like that in the offerings in order to stand the test of time going forward. So you really want to know uh, the future of the company and not simply that, uh, you know, you look at, you know, tobacco stocks, for example, what are they going to do in 15, 20 years when that's pretty much null and void? Uh, at least in the U.S. I know in other markets, it's a lot stronger. But uh, is uh, alcohol or is uh, the marijuana industry going to really be their next thing? And are they going to be able to do that as well as they did on tobacco? So there's a lot of unknowns out there. And you got to take a look at all of these things. Uh, put together a list of high conviction stocks. 
In my opinion, that's between 10 and 20 high conviction names to where you can have, uh, you know, four, five, six percent into each name and have a comfortable uh, offering between uh, 10 to 20 different names. And that way you're not so heavy in any one industry. You've got different outlooks going forward and there's a lot of different ways to make money in these companies. So um, kind of that was kind of a side tangent here about uh, what's going on. But um, I did want to get back into some news. Uh, so uh, Musk and some other AI researchers have uh, written an open letter to kind of pause these giant AI experiments. There's a lot of fear of the unknown fear that, uh, you know, the, the computers will kind of get too smart. And they want to go ahead and pause anything that's higher than chat GPT uh, dash four. So um, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty, really. And that's kind of the, the fear that's out there right now is we don't want to pretty much produce anything that we can't undo. And uh, really, without knowing uh, what's going on or the end goal or or what we can do with it or what it can do to us, we kind of want to have uh, those things figured out before we make a, a bigger problem than simply solving some different coding issues and things like that. Uh, and that being said, Google announced a partnership to combine their AI language models with uh, software from the startup company Replit that is going to help uh, computer programmers write code to compete with uh, Microsoft, uh, their GitHub and OpenAI. So there's uh, a lot of resurgence in that AI field. Uh, like I said, we had you know companies like Nvidia kind of go by the wayside last year. And, you know, that was kind of a back burner. But now 2023 seems like the year of AI with, uh, you know, all the, the chat GPT stuff and then all the other AI programs that are starting. And it really seems like uh, a good reason to kind of take a look at this thing and say, hey, what's the end goal? What is this going to accomplish and what problems can it create by simply uh, making all these computer algorithms that can basically uh, outthink us? Uh, so I definitely see the reason to to put at least a, a, a thought process together as to where we're going with this thing, ultimately what it can do and uh, what what we really got to watch out for. So that's that. Um, now in another in another light, going back to banking here, I'm kind of all over all over the place right now. But uh, the Credit Suisse thing, right? We uh, we're hearing from some whistleblowers that uh, say. The, the Swiss bank has been helping wealthy Americans dodge U.S. taxes for years. Man, uh, I thought everyone knew this. I thought that was kind of, you know, you know, having offshore accounts in the Cayman Islands or the Bahamas or whatever. I thought that was kind of the reason we did that. Uh, I feel like that's been so common in different movies and and things like that over time that it really surprises me that no one ever think to look at that before. But uh, that is certainly something that's being talked about today and uh, something that we really need to apparently watch out for going forward. And uh, Credit Suisse is down to uh, $0.87. Cents, so this one has been obliterated. And yeah, it says $8.28 was last March. But uh, yeah, definitely problems over there as well. So we are watching all the different banking news from uh, here and around the world. And what else we got? We've got uh, US refinances. This one surprised me. 
I thought that we were going to wait until maybe these rates start really dropping, not just, uh, you know, a couple tenths of a percent. But uh, U.S. refinances have hit a six month high as rates have dropped to 6.45%. And maybe I'm reading a little bit too far into that now that I say it, that, uh, you know, no one was refinancing as the rates were going up, but now they've probably peaked and are coming back down. So maybe it's a, a six month high, but it's only like a handful of people that have actually done it. But refinancing was out the window for the past six months is, is probably the, the, the headline that I'm reading here. But uh, definitely something that I still think is going to take until... Um, probably the end of the year, beginning and next for these rates to really start coming back down at this point. That's kind of what we're hearing from the Fed, that higher for longer is still a thing. Uh, you know, about two weeks ago, we thought we might actually see rates start coming down by potentially up to 100 basis points by the end of the year. That didn't happen. Uh, so we're kind of navigating those waters too. I kind of thought that the, uh, the housing market might come back quicker. I thought that the refis and things like that might get back uh, a little bit faster. And, you know, the the line of credits on uh, home equity would maybe start sooner than later and people would start spending more. That's why uh, we actually bought Home Depot stock uh, on Monday for the investing challenge for week 13. I went ahead and bought this one thinking that uh, we were going to get uh, potentially some rates um, going uh, lower sooner. But now that I'm looking at some of the numbers coming in, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So uh, I still think that we bought Home Depot at a decent price point. We are up about $2 on the day on Home Depot. Uh, so we are sitting at $282.84. And uh, we've got a PE of about 16.8, uh, which gives us about a three point, uh, about 3% of dividend uh, from this point. So let's take a look at the Webull portfolio we are doing for the investing challenge. Uh, while I'm here, a, uh, Home Depot is looking like a about 18% upside for an average price target of 333.58. Now, when we we hop on over to the Webull portfolio, uh, we are up about 1.3% today uh, for a overall loss of 6.79%. And a friendly reminder, we started the year about uh, 16 and 17% down. So we are up 10% year to date. And uh, some of the winners that we have at this point, uh, Starbucks up 23% for us, MGM up 15%. Uh, we've got UPS up 18%. Uh, I guess we'll round out the top five. American Express up 17 Broadcom up 14%. And uh, what do we got on the bottom end of this thing? Oh, boy. MPW. Gosh, down 48% since we bought this thing. Ford down 38%. Uh, Honest Company down 71%. Jeez, Plug Power down 58 And Shopify down 50 Man, those are, those are definitely rough. Thankfully, we... Uh, I think the, the only reason that Ford and... Uh, MPW are at the bottom of this as we've rebought those. We try to average down Honest Plug and Shopify. We just simply uh, bought one time and we did not average down on those. So um, we can definitely turn this thing around. I am certainly seeing more green at this point than uh, throughout last year. It was definitely a, a red year for us. And that definitely brought this portfolio down. But um, I think overall we're doing pretty good. 
uh, I like that we are up this year. I would definitely like to uh, start to see the, the portfolio actually turn around and be green overall, I think, as we all would. But um, I think in time, we will certainly get back to that point. So I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk uh, investing challenge. Uh, I'm going to get through the stocks that are on here for this week. And we're going to see what else we can uh, pull up and get into some other news as well. So stick around. I'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. And uh, if you are looking to start an account of your own, I do have some links in the description to help get you going. We've got uh, Webull, where we are doing the investing challenge for 2023. Uh, we can do fractional shares over there. Definitely helpful if you're uh, at a set amount you can put in every week and you can't simply buy uh, a complete share of Chipotle, say at uh, what, $1,500 you can go ahead and buy $100 or $5 at Chipotle. So that definitely helps. Uh, we've also got uh, links for E-Trade. Uh, we've got links for Binance.us and as well as Crypto.com. So I've got those links in the description to help get you going. And uh, I get a little bit of a, a you know kickback for, for doing that as well. So I definitely appreciate that. If you want to help support the podcast, you can do that. Uh, I think it's still anchor.fm slash let it grow. But uh, I will put that link in the description now that we have changed uh, to uh, Spotify for podcasters. So I will definitely double check that and uh, make sure to update that link in the description. But um, yeah, so going forward, I wanted to look at a couple things here. And uh, Warren Buffett just keeps printing money. Uh, I guess that is that is kind of his forte in life. So um, I think he made about... Uh, I think it said $450 million roughly on Occidental. But uh, he went ahead and purchased another 3.6 million shares of Occidental, uh, according to a regulatory filing on uh, Monday. And uh, he's got a 23.5% stake now in the Houston-based energy company, uh, roughly 211 million shares. Uh, so they did catch an upgrade. But uh, some of these things, some of these price points here on Occidental are all over the place. And uh, I do want to say before I uh, switch over to Occidental here, Chipotle is at $1,648. If you are looking to buy that and you don't simply have $1,600 to put into Chipotle, uh, that's where fractional share investing helps. Uh, and you can use Webull for that. Uh, but Occidental, right? We're, we're looking over here at uh, the price targets. We're sitting at $62. The uh, 12 month uh, price target here from 15 different analysts is at 72. And uh, yeah, we've got a hold rating today from Wells. We've got a buy yesterday from Cowan, a uh, price target of 70. Uh, Wells had a, a target of 64. Morgan Stanley hold at 62. Goldman, a buy at 68. And Barclays, uh, a buy at 78. So, kind of mixed picture here. I, I know we talked a little bit about oil. Uh, probably a week or two ago, the fact that uh, crude had gone down. Uh, crude is now back around 73, I believe that is. Uh, but there's definitely uh, less demand as more people get laid off, uh, less money out there to go travel. Uh, there's a lot of different fears out there. So uh, as we see these prices on crude come down, we saw the demand on the oil come down, which definitely made a lot of people think that, um, you know, that oil is definitely soft. Uh, similar to what I was saying about Home Depot, you kind of want to buy these things when when everyone else thinks that they're out of style. Uh, it might be a longer road, but uh, I think that's what Warren Buffett generally does is looks at these things that are at a deep discount, 
understands that the short term, uh, you know, whether or not, uh, you know, all these layoffs have any major demand hits on oil this year, these companies will be back stronger in the next two, three, four, five years. So going ahead and buying more at a discount, I cur- I, I definitely think that uh, these stocks are going to come back the, the way of the oil companies. Uh, and again, you know, you've got to look out past that and say, hey, look, what are these companies going to do past oil? Uh, a lot of them are still looking at the ways that they're still going to produce plastics. They're still going to be looking at uh, oil uh, as the way of gasoline, diesel, natural gas, things like that. But uh, are they going to be able to get into the uh, uh, the renewable energies, the wind, the solar, the um, you know maybe into some of the, li- the lithium or different uh, minerals or or things needed for EVs? So there's really a lot of different uh, fears around oil, but uh, in the short term, uh, next two to five years, that is, I think that these are going to come back, you know, stronger uh, as kind of demand comes back up. We're we're certainly going to see that. So um, I definitely think that Occidental could certainly be a good purchase here for him. This is not one that I'm looking at um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, I think that there's a lot of people simply buying because Warren Buffett buys it. Uh, but it, uh, it's a low PE. It's at a five times PE. The quarterly dividend is only a 1.1% uh, yielder. Uh, so when I am looking, uh, I look for some of the majors, uh, something like Chevron or Exxon. When I'm looking at Chevron, uh, we're at 3.79% dividend, uh, 8.7 PE, very low beta. Um, I mean, I'm not saying one is right or one is wrong. But for me, if I'm buying the oil stocks, I'm generally looking for a little bit more yield. Uh, so let's look over at the analyst research because Oxy wasn't crazy upside. Uh, so when I'm looking at Chevron, it's 17.7% of upside here. So you got a little bit more on the way of upside. The, the downside is actually fairly limited with a, a low price target of 170. Currently, we're sitting at 160. So even worst case scenario with the most bearish of uh, analysts here, you still go up 6% and you got a 4% yield. So you're about 10% um, assuming that things don't go crazy. We don't have a crazy bad uh, hard landing or a tough recession. And, uh, you know, things kind of stay on track how they are. I know a lot of different things can change, but I'm just kind of pointing that out. So for me, oil stocks, I look for more yield. Uh, I know we've talked about Enbridge. We've looked at some of the midstream companies. Uh, there's definitely a lot more companies that are going to get you more in that way of yield. Uh, Warren definitely sees something in Oxy and having 23% uh, stake in that company certainly means that uh, he's very bullish on the fact that he's buying it at a good price and he's doing it for obviously some reasons that he knows. Uh, Enbridge, like I said, 7.1% of yield. So that is one that I uh, have in my portfolio to get a little bit more of that yield, to build up that uh, dividend income, to then go ahead and reinvest in either more Enbridge shares or simply uh, put that dividend right back into my cash account and be able to buy uh, other shares that I see that are uh, also trading cheap or look like they have a very bright future. So that's kind of what I'm seeing there. We've also got some news on Micron. Micron, uh, the chip maker, uh, they got a big DRAM uh, chip problem, which is um, a, a lot of the reason that they're looking to do a lot of cost cutting right now. I was going to try to get back to that article. I think it was on Yahoo here. Let's take a look. And 
I know that uh, they're doing a, a significant amount of cost cutting. Their revenue was coming down from last year very significantly. And let's take a look if I can't get back to it. Where are we? Uh, I'm not finding it, but it, it almost looked like the revenues for the year were going to be cut in about in half. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna gonna try to find this one, but the the stock looks like it it's holding up okay. Uh, surprisingly, I think a lot of the news has already been cooked into a lot of these chip stocks. When I'm looking at Micron, we've got a, a pretty low PE. We're at 10.7, uh, about three quarters of a percent in dividend yield. And uh, I think a lot of these fears are kind of getting baked in. Everyone kind of already knows that they're going to be losing money. They're, they're actually up 7% today. Uh, I believe, uh, well, about 8% of upside here. So not too much there. Uh, and a widespread, you got 30% down on the downside and 50% up on the upside. So the analysts are all over the map on this one, where some of the ones like Occidental were were a much tighter window of uh, of upside. So... Uh, as far as when they report, that is going to be uh, in June. So I guess they are probably already, we've re reported this morning. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Uh, and like I said, I haven't been too up to date on this one, but uh, they are up on executive comments on the market bottom. So a lot of the fears that they already had are pretty much getting baked in. Uh, we've seen this happen with Qualcomm. We've seen it happen in, uh, in NVIDIA. We've seen a lot of these different chip stocks really take it on the chin over the past year. And it looks like even uh, in Micron and their uh, commodity chip space that a lot of these fears are pretty much over. Uh, you know, we had that supply shortage and then we were at a supply glut. And now things look like they're going to possibly get back online. So I don't know that I'm going to rush out and buy this one either. But uh, I definitely wanted to point out that, uh, you know, the fears were getting overblown. And the, the fact that, um, you know, the revenue was coming in light was already pretty much forecasted. And uh, there's a lot of reason to think that these stocks could have some room to run on the upside. So um, I guess that brings me into the investing challenge for week 14. And uh, you can go ahead and vote for these over at Facebook uh, on the Let It Grow investing page. Of, uh, of our group page. That link is in the description. Correct. And I won't even have to update that one. So um, we've got five names. That's always the game here that uh, it might change from time to time, but normally it's five different stocks that we can vote on. And I will be adding $200 worth in our Weeble portfolio to any one of these five names this coming Monday. And uh, I've been doing this now for what? Uh, this is 65 weeks of this. And uh this will be week 66. So we've got uh, first one up, MGM. And I did already say that this one uh, was up for us from when we bought this one last year. And uh, it looks like uh, we might be buying this one again. We've got a PE of about 12.3. We've got about 29% of dividend of uh, upside appreciation. Sorry. And uh, I think that these companies can really do well with the legalization of, uh, of gambling, of sports betting. Uh, state by state basis, and we can definitely see some more uh, people coming onto these platforms. BetMGM, uh, DraftKings, all the uh, FanDuel, all those companies around the world. We can certainly see some more business. Another way for these companies to make money. And uh, regardless if uh, you know we're in a recession or not, I think people are still going to gamble. 
they're still going to sit at home and, and click a button and uh, and make some bets. So going forward, I think that uh, the sports betting could certainly help uh, a lot of the different casino companies, but especially MGM. So that is number one. Uh, and I'm just going to make a note here. Uh, 29% of upside as I drop my pen here. So, yep, I'm going to run through them. We're going to kind of take a look at that as we're going. And uh, number two, uh, another company that's kind of been a 2022 winner for me. And this one is actually up pretty significantly today. We are up 6.17% on Enphase. Ticker is E-N-P-H. Uh, we've still got about 44% of upside for an average price target of 296. We are sitting at 205. We're up $12 on the day. That is a pretty big move on this one. So I've got uh, five different uh, price targets are all buys from Susquehanna, Northland uh, Securities, Raymond James, Scotiabank, and Janie Montgomery. And we are all in the uh, upper twos for the exception of Raymond James, which is at 225. And Northland Securities has a buy with a price target of 365. So this one is a solar company uh, that does micro inverters. They're kind of the top tier of um, solar panels with individual micro inverters on each panel. Uh, we've got a PE of 70.6, but uh, this is a growth company. It's going to be valued as such. And uh, it's one of the ones that has done crazy numbers over the past five years. Um, I don't have that screen pulled up. That is on Reuters. I do look at that through E-Trade, but it's kind of hard to pull up on the computer. Uh, so I do not have that number. But... Um, this one has performed well for me. So I was looking to buy more of this one in this kind of price range. And uh, even down in the 190s, I was really looking to pull the trigger on some more shares. Uh, but yeah, we could be adding this one to the Let It Grow Investing portfolio for week 14. And uh, it would definitely be one that I would like to add to down here. So uh, if you're with me on that one, go ahead over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook and get your vote in for Enphase. Uh, and as I said, I'm going to write down the percentages as I go through this so I can see who's got the most amount of upside uh, and the best dividend. So 44% upside on end phase. 44. All right. Number three, and this is going to be the dividend uh, winner of the week, I do believe. Yeah, this one's going to be the highest in the way of dividends. So that name is uh, Simon Property Group. Uh, ticker is SPG. Now, this one is a mall operator that uh, owns a lot of different uh, mall sites and they are classified as a REIT. So you're going to get more in the way of your dividend yield on this one. Uh, but this one has been traded down for a lot of the different fears of recession, a lot of different fears of rates on properties coming down. The, the, the things that they own were now worth less. And if people aren't shopping and you know the whole online thing for years has been a problem for Simon Property Group, but overall, I still think we're going to have uh, shopping malls. I don't think that that's going completely out as we kind of thought a few years back. Uh, so Simon Property, I think, is in an interesting spot where it is traded down on some different fears that uh, some make sense and some are kind of unjustly being thrown at them. Um, so quarterly dividend yield is about 6.7%. So it does pay a nice dividend yield. Uh, the PE is at 15 
Uh, beta is about a one. Uh, so we've, I guess we pair all that to say 6.7% of dividends. Sorry, I'm writing this down. And we've got uh, 26% upside. So that's uh, what, about 34% call it. And uh, I think that's a pretty safe margin of error and having that nice dividend behind it. Your low side of this uh, this range from these 11 different analysts is 9% up from here. So you got your 9% uh, upside plus your 6.7% of dividend yield, and you're in the 15 range on what you can expect over the next 12 months. So even if this one dropped a little bit and it's at 100 within a year, you're still about breaking even uh, with that dividend yield. So there's a lot of margin of error on this one. And I think that you would be pretty safe to go ahead and buy this name at 106 where it's sitting today and uh, really parking this one and letting some, uh, some dividends roll in your way. Uh, so that is number three, Simon Property Group, SPG. Now, number four is a name that we hadn't looked at before, I'm pretty certain. I know we looked at uh, Constellation Brand, some other uh, uh, alcohol companies, but uh, we are looking at the name Diageo, which is ticker DEO. We've got uh, a current price of 177 and we've only got one analyst on this one, and that uh, that upside is about 26% higher at a price target of 225. So yeah, one analyst kind of makes it hard to say, is that one correct? Or I, I like to see more analysts so we can get a nice average. But uh, we do have a dividend yield of about 2%. Now this one is paid semi-annually. You will see that you're still getting 2% uh, per year. Uh, that's how you're going to see these other names generally uh, they're generally going to be quarterly dividends and you will get that percent over the course of a year uh, in smaller increments throughout the year. Now, this one just simply pays $1.51 every uh, six months to go ahead and hold those shares. So it just pays out less frequently, but about uh, average of what the S&P 500 does. Now, I was looking at Diageo uh, for the standpoint of having... Uh, a beverage, uh, alcoholic beverage company into the mix of what we're doing here. And they have a lot of uh, high-end names. They got they got a nice mix here. Uh, they've got uh, Johnny Walker, Crown Royal, J&B, Buchanan's, Windsor Whiskey, Smirnoff, Ciroc, Kettle One, uh, Captain Morgan, Bailey's, Don Julio, Tangeray, and Guinness. So pretty wide uh, spread. They've got uh, about 200 brands. Uh, old and new, large and small, global and local, with brands sold in approximately 180 countries. So they're pretty worldwide. They've got a good mix of things going on over there. I think they've got some room to grow. And uh, I think that from here, I, I believe that this one should be fairly stable going forward. I don't think that anyone's uh, you know running away from this uh, these companies. I think long-term, it's going to be a marginal, slower grower, but uh, it is a company that we could probably park some cash into uh, for a little bit of safety here, kind of going forward. So that is number four, Diageo, ticker is DEO. Number five, and before I do that, 2% yield and what we got on the upside was 26.5%. All right, so number five for the week. And this one came after we saw some UK regulators basically say that Activision 
is not going to uh, disrupt all of uh, Sony's um, titles when in the way of uh, Call of Duty and that Microsoft might actually be able to buy Activision Blizzard. So that is number five for this week. Activision Blizzard, ticker is ATVI. Uh, so we are currently sitting at $84.41. Average price target is $92.33. Uh, this one did kind of skyrocket on us as some of these uh, reports came out that it might actually go through. So uh, some of that upside might be a little bit limited right now, but if it does get bought out, you're pretty much going to have an immediate jump in sales and uh, share price, and then it's going to be owned by Microsoft. So that doesn't really seem like a bad bet for me either. So um, got a little bit of upside here. Like I said, 9.4. And where are we on? That annual dividend is about 0.5%. So that might be one of the smaller uh, growers of the week. But uh, I think if that deal falls apart, we're still going to be pretty safe on this one as uh, I think there's going to be a lot of need for these video game companies going forward. Maybe not need uh, a lot of demand in these, uh, these gaming systems going forward. I think a lot of people have really adopted these systems and i don't really believe that they're going to go by the wayside anytime soon we've got uh, a lot of other uh advancements and chips and ai and all these different things that i think could be integrated into uh some of the gaming systems we've got uh, the metaverse being built out activision will probably be in that realm and i think that there's a lot of tie-ins to a lot of the different things that are going on out there so i think it's going to be a strong company if the deal goes through it's going to be an instant uh, gain of about uh, uh, eight bucks, I believe it is. So there's definitely some upside. And uh, I think that long-term use case is there as well. So that's the five names I got for you guys this week. We've got MGM at 29% of upside. Enphase, 44% of upside. Simon Property, 6.7% dividend yield and uh, about 26% of upside. Diageo, ticker was DEO, 2% yield. 26.5% of upside, and Activision. Uh, we've got 0.56% uh, of yield and about 9.5% of upside. So if we're simply going for yield, I think we got to look at Simon Property Group. If we want the most potential for some gains, I think that one is Enphase. If you want, uh, you know, probably one that's in that sweet spot right now with uh, all the sports betting going on. I think MGM is a solid player and it's probably traded down a little bit on the fact that we might be entering a recession. So we might get a turnaround from that. And then we've got uh, Activision for the fact that they could get bought out by Microsoft and Diageo simply because I don't think alcohol is going to go out of style anytime soon. So that's the five I got for you guys. Please get over to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook. Get your votes in for these. And uh, make sure that you subscribe so you do not miss a future episode here on Let It Grow Investing. So with that being said, I'm going to hop off of here and I will catch you guys in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing Podcast on Facebook.
This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.